This week is Parashat Kitisa. Kitisa is so filled with amazing things uh, that it's sometimes hard to choose what to talk about. Um, You might say that it's clear that the centerpiece of Kitisa is the Cheta Egel, but of course, you'd rather the centerpiece be something a little more positive. And so the Brit um, of the Yudgel Midot Rachamim is certainly a critical piece of it. Truth is also we have the end of the commands. We talked about this last week. The end of the commands regarding the Mishkan, um, which is how Kitisa starts. Shabbat in the context of the Mishkan for the first time. Uh, and uh, and then besides the Egel, we also have the recovenanting that happens. Uh, but within the response to the Egel, the forgiveness uh, relating to the Egel, we have the command for Moshe to carve out new stones so that we will have the, what we end up calling the Luchot Shniot. And so the question is, what's written on the Luchot Shniot? Truth is, you could also ask the question, what was written on the Luchot Rishonot? But I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to explore that today. What was written on the Luchot Shniot? Now, if you take a look at it, the Luchot first show up um in at the very begin at the end of the, the the beginning of the second aliyah uh right after all of those introductory pieces at the beginning of kitisa that that um, are the are the conclusion of the commands regarding the mishkan and then in the first pasuk of the next aliyah so hashem gave to moshe after he concluded speaking to him on Harsinai, the two luchota edut, tablets of testimony, we'll talk about what that phrase means, they're tablets of stone, and they're written with the finger of God. Now, this phrase luchota edut is itself kind of curious. If you um, think back to Perak Chavdalad, when, um, when Hashem is summoning Moshe up to the mountain, he says... Which means that the Luchot seem to be either already prepared or at least anticipated before Moshe comes to the top of the mountain. But it's only at the end of the 40 days and 40 nights of instruction that Hashem gives us, he gives him these Luchot. But the Luchot are called Luchot Ha'edut. And they are already anticipated earlier when Hashem is commanding regarding the Mishkan and he talks about the Aaron, he commands Moshe, if you look at source 2, and then and the Aaron is now called Aaron Ha'idut, and so this word Edut kind of hovers around the issue of the Luchot, and then finally they get called Luchot Ha'idut, and the Aaron therefore gets called Aaron Ha'idut. What does the word Edut mean? They do it means testimony. Why is the uh, is the Aron called Aron Ha'edut? Because it includes inside. It's a box that holds a testimony. What's the testimony? So the testimony is the testimony, evidently, of Mamad Har Sinai, that Hashem spoke to us and said these things. And now we have what actually in the original French actually means a souvenir, a a a physical. Um, um, commemoration of a great event, and that is the Luchot Ta'idut. So the Luchot testify 
to to the Mamad Sinai. There is another phrase that we're quite familiar with, both for the Luchot and the Aron, and the same connection happens, that because the Luchot have another tag, the Aron gains that tag, and that is Luchot Habrit. They're called Luchot Habrit, and therefore it's called Aron Habrit, Aron Brit Hashem. But an interesting thing is that that's not the first name it has. It's Luchot Haidut and Aron Haidut, all the way until our parasha, and that's where things change, and we're going to see what that's about. Now, as you see in source three, when Moshe comes down from the from the mountain, we get uh, a description of the luchot. Right, elaborate description of the luchot. We get a similar piece echoing that in Dvarim. We're going to see some of that in a bit. But notice, it's still called Luchot Ha'idut. Again, what's on it? It seems to be that the ten utterances that Hashem made at Har Sinai that we all heard, or that Moshe heard, but that we heard God's voice somehow through the cloud, we knew that Hashem said them, and now they were committed to writing. Hashem engraved them on the stones that Hashem gave to Moshe. And now, at the the, the, the last point we'll ever see those Luchot that Hashem gave Moshe, uh, is in the middle of the Egel narrative in source four. Moshe came down, he saw the Egel, the, the dancing around it. Um, Moshe got angry and he threw down the Luchot from his hands. Now notice they're not called Luchot Haidut anymore because there's no more Haidut. He destroys them. And by the way, we never hear about him again. We don't hear what he does with the shards. We don't hear what he uh, where he stores them, if anything. We don't hear if there's anything left of them. They're totally obliterated. They're gone. We do have some misorot on it, but nothing in the text. Now, this, the next part of the narrative has nothing to do with the Luchot. The next part of the narrative is Moshe rebuking Aharon, rebuking the people, the war that goes on with Pene Levi, and then Moshe saying, I'm going to go and ask Hashem for forgiveness. Moshe coming to Hashem and saying, if you don't forgive them, wipe me out from your book, etc., etc. And Hashem finally agreeing to forgive them. And when he agrees to forgive them, we have this passage in source 5. And this is what leads to the question I wanted to ask. We all know this pasuk, we know it very well, because it's the beginning of the middle aliyah on a tiny tzibur. So what does Hashem tell Moshe to do? You carve out two tablets like the first ones. But Moshe did not carve out the first ones. So you're going to carve out two tablets like the first ones, which I hewed. That's critical to see that. Hashem says, I'm going to write on the luchot which means that if we can discover what was written on either one of the Luchot, we should have the answer to what was written on the other one. Because it says, I will write on the Luchot the words that were on the original Luchot. So if we could figure out what's on the second Luchot, we should be able to say that was on the first one. Or if we had a record of what was on the first one, we should be able to figure it out. It's not so simple at all. Because there's other texts that get in the way of making it simple. So what happens? Moshe did exactly what he's supposed to do, which is before he goes up to the mountain, at the foot of the mountain. 
he carves two tablets that are evidently like the ones that he originally had, was given. So he takes these two tablets, right? By the way, there's a little bit of a problem with the grammar here, because it should be right? And nonetheless, sounds like he grabbed two tablets. All right, but we're going to leave that alone for now. And now Moshe is goes up to the mountain, and and he has the two tablets in his hand that he hewed. Or two very different reads. One would be, and it's, it's a critical difference. One would be that. Um, Um, that by Yered God comes down in a cloud. By Yatsev Imosham, He stands with him there. Who's the He and who's the Him? Is it that Moshe stands near Hashem in the cloud, or Hashem stands near Moshe? And now by Yikra B'Shem Adonai would mean He called out in the name of Hashem. He being then Moshe. Or the way that Tamami cry have it by Kravashem and who called out Hashem. Which is a humongous difference. Because the question is, who's then reciting the Midotarachami? So now Vayavor Adunaya which may you could say Vayikrabashem Hashem is Moshe calling out and praying to Hashem, and Hashem then responding with this. Nonetheless, there's some confusion here. And appropriate for the confusion. We have confusion consistently in any of the Sinai narratives. Date, location, sequence, all confusing. So we have a description of Hashem's midot, of rachamim, and not so much rachamim. Compassion and yet holding people accountable. Okay, so that's what it is that Hashem declares. But remember, Hashem said, "Come up with tablets, and I'm going to write on the tablets." So Moshe standing at the tablets, and Hashem is announcing these midot arachamim. Okay, and now vayomer. I'm, I'm I, I wanted to keep everything here for content for. For continuity, but I'm I made the parts that were skipping smaller to be easier to follow. Vayomer, hine So what does Hashem say to Moshe? Remember, Moshe has just heard mitot arachamim and is holding the tablets. Hashem says, hine anochi korait brit. Behold, I'm going to make a brit. Neged kol anchas seni fot ashad vuvachatz v'chol agoyim kol hamasher atalikim b'maseil don't I can rahu asherani yoseimach. Everybody's going to see this great stuff that I do for you. What's the great stuff that I do for you? Is it wars? Is it successful journey through the desert? Or is it forgiving you? Unclear. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, you get a, essentially a reiteration of the back part of Parshat Mishpatim. The Brit component to Parshat Mishpatim. After all the laws, there is the warning against making Britot with the no, local nations, the command to wipe them out, the the uh, the commands regarding the regalim, 
all ending, by the way, with Lot Vashel Gedei B'chalei Watch this. Now notice, I'm making a breed with you. And part of the breed is, you don't make a breed with anybody else. Meaning you don't tolerate coexistence. It's not going to work. I'm not saying anything politically contemporary. That's what it says here. The word key here means rather. You destroy their places of worship. God is a jealous God. You don't pray to any other God. Don't bow to any other God. Wipe them out. And if you if you leave them around, you might make a breed. And you may end up participating with them in their pagan rituals. And then what will happen? Into marriage with the pagans, and the kids will all follow that. Which should be particularly poignant because we just made an egel masif. Now, and I'll skip through because you have the mitzvah of of Chag uh, and then Pidyon Petr Chamor, and then Pidyon Haben, and Aliyah Regel, and Sheshtevim Tavroim Ashvit Tishpot, Bacharishu Vaketzir Tishpot, which may refer to Shemitah or may refer to Shabbat, the last, those last three words, Machlokat Rikim Vishmoab, and then Shavuot, and then, and then Sukkot. This should sound very familiar because it's exactly the sequence of what happened at the end of Mishpatim with the Brit. And then, Shalosh Pamim Yisrael, which is almost exactly the phrasing, but not exactly, almost the phrasing that you have in Mishpatim. And then, Hashem is going to give you a broad border and nobody's going to try to, to, to take it away from you while you make Ali Alarego. And now, that's exactly like what you have Mishpatim. Which is exactly verbatim the Pasuk you have Mishpatim. Those two components, bringing Bikurim and the prohibition of Basar B'chalav, boom. Okay. So now, Moshe's standing there with these two tablets and hearing all of this. And Hashem said, but in the meantime, at least following the, the, the narrative, the luchot are still empty. Correct? You don't see at any point Hashem did anything. Now watch how strange it gets. This is the end of the parsha. What does that mean? There's no question who's speaking to whom and who Tov Lacha is aimed at. Hashem is telling Moshe, you write et advarim ha'ila. What's Hadvarim Ha'ila? Sounds like that whole long list that we just had. Ki alpi Hadvarim Ha'ila karati itchavrit vet Yisrael. Because based on these words, I made a brit with you. Whoa, time out. Which words are these? Are these the words of Ali Regal and of Pinyon Petachamor and of uh, not making a brit with Yoshvei or is it the Aserat Dibrot? What would you say is the fundamental brit text that we have? I would say Aserat Dibrot. And yet, Hashem is telling Moshe, you write these words. But didn't Hashem say, I'm going to write these words? But isn't the words Devarim mentioned by the by the uh, Aserat Hadibrot? Devarim, yes. 
But, but that's is, the question. I'm saying it's very mentioned here earlier who, on. Who, Hadvari uh, Ma'ila, would seem to be referring to the most recent words, which are not the Hadvarim. The question is, what's he supposed to write? But then it, it's qualified in the green. I don't understand. These words are the fundamental component of the Brit. Now watch what happens. So Moshe is, and it's the second time in the text, although we have a Midrashic third set in the middle, 40 days of Moshe is on Har Sinai, not eating, not drinking. And now watch what happens. Vayichtov al haluchot. He wrote on the luchot. Who's the he? Moshe. Contextually, Moshe. However, what did we hear earlier? Vachatavti al haluchot. Hashem says, "I'm going to write on luchot." But then, what do we do with Ktov lacha? Vayichtov al haluchot. Eighty vrehabrit. And get this, aseret advarim. So what does he, and we'll say Hashem right now, what does Hashem write on the Luchot? Divrei Abrit, which is Aseret Advarim. But wait a second, didn't Hashem just here say, and give us all these other laws? So which is it? Which means we're left with two questions. Who's writing, okay, three questions. Who's writing what where? The who is Hashem or Moshe? The what is Aseret Advarim or this Brit? And the where is Luchot or somewhere else. You're going to see every possibility in the Rishonim. All right? Now, What does Moshe have in his hands? He has Luchot Ha'idut. All right? An interesting thing that happens is that here he wrote on the Luchot Divrei Habrit. Remember I mentioned at the beginning of Shir that we refer to the Luchot as Luchot Haidut. We also refer to them as Luchot Habrit. Take a look in Sefer Dvarim. Right, there's a description in in uh, in Akev of Moshe um, doing exactly what Hashem said, preparing the two tablets. Hashem said, I'm going to write on the Luchot. He said, he wrote on the Luchot. So it said, no, Hashem wrote on the Luchot. Kam michtav Just like the first writing. Notice that a little earlier, though it's in Sefer Dvarim, when Moshe refers to the Luchot, what does he call them? Luchot Habrit. They were never called Luchot Habrit when they were first fashioned. They were never called Luchot Habrit when they were first given. Suddenly they're called Luchot Habrit in Dvarim, in retrospect, 40 years later. What's going on? So let's take a quick peek at the Rishonim. The Rashbam, and this is just a sampling. Everybody weighs on the question. The Rashbam mm-hmm. uh, addresses the issue. Tov l'chat advarim ha'ila. He says, what's advarim ha'ila? Ha'amurim ha'parashah zu. So that means that up here, Hashem is telling him, write the Brit stuff, not the Aser Tadvarim. Where is he supposed to write it? Ki al-pi advarim ha'ila, shalotachu acharim Meaning all of those laws that we saw, that's the basis of the Brit. Even Ezra says something. Um, I'll read that again. 
because it should blow your mind a little bit. Which means now he's saying the following. Even though these words were already written here, where are they written? He writes them with Aseratat Varim. You're going to see an expansion on this in the Nitziv. Now, we talked about what's written in Luchot Shniot. Here's the Ibn Ezra on our Pasuk at the end of the Parsha. Vayichtov, um, oh, sorry, and at the beginning of the Parsha, at the beginning of this paragraph, Lamedal the Pasuk Aleph, Lufidati, Shibarishonim, Nichtivu, Aseratat Varim, Kashem Tuvim, Parshat Vaishma. Even as we here expresses an opinion that the original Luchot had the Nusach of Aseratat Dibrot in Yitro. And the second Luchot had the version in Vatchanan. This is humongously difficult for several reasons. First of all, what does Hashem say in his introduction of the whole thing? I will write what was written on the first one. So to say I'm going to write Nusach Bet is a little bit strange. Second of all, take a look at the Aserta Dibrot, lined up one against the other. The right side is Yitro, the left side is Vatchanan. And I highlighted some of the significant changes. There's one, one line that shows up twice in the Aserta Tadibrot and Vetchanan that is very difficult to believe that Hashem is writing, which is, The line itself is difficult. Why would Hashem write the words, if Hashem is writing those words? And he's writing on the Luchot Shniot. Second thing is, if if the Luchot Rishonot have Zachor, and the Luchot Shniot have Shamor, that means Zachor got destroyed. That means Shabbat Ezechel Masev Rashid got destroyed in the Luchot. And it's only Shabbat Ezechel Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Very difficult. But with, what's even a saving grace, but perhaps more difficult, you can go either way, is the Ibn Ezra, later on in the same parak, turns around lists a whole bunch of different opinions about what's written on the Luchot Shniot, and at the end says, Yitro is the Nusach that's on the Aserat HaDibrot in both cases, exactly. He backtracks. Or somebody copied something down wrong in that first Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra makes it very clear in this whole discussion. No way in the world is the first set of Luchot Yitro and the second set of Luchot Vatchanan. doesn't work. And then he talks about different things, about what's written on both sides, etc. Um, two more things I want to look at here. There's the Ramban. The Ramban in Tovel Chatat Varim And remember the difficulty that we have here. Because Hashem is telling Moshe, I want you to, I'm going, to, I'm going to write on the Luchot what was on the original Luchot. And then he says, now Moshe's standing up on top of the mountain with two tablets. And these are not stenographer's tablets. These are rock tablets. And he says, you write these words. And these words seems to be the, the Brit words. And then it says, because based on these words, we made a Brit. And then it says, Hashem wrote on the Luchot, at the very Brit, Aserat Very strange. 
So the Ramban says the following, which is very straightforward. Just like they did back in Mishpatim. That Moshe wrote, writes Sefer Abrit, reads it, people say, etc. They should redo the whole thing. And as Hashem wants a complete do-over. So I gave you the Luchot. You then wrote the words of the Brit, not the Luchot, not the Aser Tadvrim, but the words of the Brit. The people heard you read it. They said, now seven Ishma. It all got messed up. So let's redo it. You carve the tablets. I'll write on the tablets the same words that were on the Luchot. And then you write down in a Sefer the words of the Brit. Read it to the people. They'll say, now seven Ishma, and we'll be happy forever after. Right? The Nitziv comes along and is very bothered by this. He says, L'fiyah pshat. Lamad mi'inyano dibichtivah al haluchot mar. When Hashem says to Moshe, Ketov l'chat advarim he means on the luchot. Now I'm going to say that again because I want you to see how revolutionary it is. What did Hashem originally tell Moshe? You carve stones, I'll write on the luchot. And now what happens? That Hashem is telling Moshe, you write on the luchot. He disagrees with the Rambans. There's no mention here that Hashem says, read it to them, write it down somewhere else. You can't say it's that. It's only at the end of Dvarim that we hear that Hashem commands Moshe to write down a Sefer Torah. Contextually, he's talking about writing on the luchot. So watch what he says. Are you ready? You got to buckle in for this one. Steve says, can't be that Moshe is writing the aserta dibrot on the luchot, because that Hashem said, I'm going to write. But to the lazel, lo he also didn't have to say, based on these words, we made a breach. Because that's what a Sarah Tadvarim is. I'm at you, but when I first saw this, I was shocked. And Siva's saying that Hashem is going to write the Aserah Tadibrot on the Luchot, and Moshe is also going to write the Divrei Abrit on the Luchot. And what does the Nitziv say, Divrei Abritis? Mi breshit an kol Yisrael. Meaning, the entire Torah, from A to Z, from Bet to Lamed, is going to be written along with the Aserat Tadibrot. Which, by the way, is interesting, because that means the Aserat Tadibrot is going to be written two other times besides the one time. Right? If the whole Torah is there. Ukemosha yu chakukim al haluchot harishonim, kemoshkat etc. And that's based on the Nitziv's take. And he's not the only one who says there's more than just the Aserat Tadibrot on the first Luchot. As I said before, we can't go to the first Luchot this year. Right. So now, um, this is the Nitziv's take. And how does he squeeze all that onto the Shniyot Luchot What? How does he squeeze the entire... Oh, yeah, yeah, you got that problem. No, no question. I'd like to modify, I'd like to suggest a modification 
in in um, in one way that's critical, and then an, an, an addendum uh, to what the Nitziv says. I think the Nitziv opens up a fantastic door. But if you take a look at it here, notice he says, which means, what is it Moshe is supposed to write? These words, this brit, these brit words, the Aliyah Regal, Pinyon Petachamor, these, not Kitignavidivri uh, and not Shatnez, uh, what's written here? And we understand why, because these things of not making a breed with the locals and of having an aliyah regal to Hashem, etc., these are the kind of the core of the breed, because they all represent exclusivity and avoidance of foreign, um, etc. Um, but there's another piece to the puzzle when we see the description of the Luchot. We hear about Luchot here in... in uh, just before Moshe breaks them, it says, Mishne Avraham, they're written on both sides. Mizel Mizem Tuvim. Now, what is Mishne Avraham? What does Mizel Mizem mean? So, Mishne Avraham very likely means on both sides, meaning if you're looking at the, at the tablets, they're written on both sides. Now, obviously, they're written on, we have tablets for it. So, what it very likely means is that it's not as if it's written from tablet A and then continues to tablet B. But rather, tablet A has information, and tablet B has other information. And Mishneh Avraham would seem to be on both both front and back. That's part of part of your answer, but not not nearly enough as far as the the the, the issue of uh, of space. Meaning, there are four sides. Yeah, there's tablet A front and back, tablet B front and back. There's two tablets, right? We we don't have any reason to think the tablets are one thing, just like in synagogue art, the two tablets. So is it possible, and that's what the Ibn Ezra that we kind of glanced through quickly talks about how they were written and what side. Is it possible that on one side of the Luchot you have Mikhtav Hashem with the Aserat Varim, and on the other side you have written by Moshe Sefer Habrit that he was commanded to write? And contextually, it makes sense because Hashem says, "There you are with Luchot, right? Say for Abrit. It's all it all fits." And that would explain something else that happens here, because I'm going to suggest that unlike the Nitziv, the original Luchot had the Aseret Advarim, and that's it. But perhaps the Aseret Advarim were written on both sides, Mizel Mizem Tuvim. Unless Mizem, Mizem, and Shnei both mean A and B as opposed to front and back. Could be. But it's the Aserat Advarim. And remember what Chazal say, that uh, that certain letters in the Luchot, if it was Ktav Ashuri, it's the Memon Samech, if it's Tav Ivri, it's the Ayin, then were standing beneath because they were all the way through. That's Luchot Rishonot. Luchot Shniot, because it has to be written on both sides, but that can only happen with rocks that were hewn by God. So now it's hewn by man. Hashem is going to write on one side, the Aseret HaDvarim, and Moshe is going to write on the other side, Sefer HaBrit. And that will explain another phenomenon. What are the Luchot called all the way up until the event of the Egel and the destruction of the first Luchot? They are called only HaEidut or Luchot HaEidut. What are they called afterwards? Luchot Abrit. Why are they called Luchot Abrit? Because now 
with the second Luchot, they also have Divrei Abrit on them. And then what you have is entrusted in the central place, the Aron, in the Kodesh Kodeshim, is a record of, on one side, the words that we heard from Hashem directly at Har Sinai, and on the other side, the words of the covenant that Hashem made with us, which is the basis for our relationship. Which, by the way, was common in the ancient world to always keep a record of that covenant in the central place of the of the group. And so what we've done over the last uh, half hour or so is take a look at the conundrum that the language at the end of Parshat Kitisa presents us with as to what is written, where, by whom, when Moshe is up on Har Sinai with two lechot in his hands. Is everything written by Hashem? Is part written by Moshe? Is the content the Aserot Tadvarim? Is it something more than that? Is it written on the Luchot and written on a separate Sefer? And every one of those variables is taken by one of the Rishonim in a different in, in, in a different direction. We picked up on the direction of the Nitziv, who said, um, against the Ramban, who said, it can't be written on a Sefer, it has to be written on the Luchot. He's standing there with the Luchot. And the Nitziv then said, what Moshe wrote was the entire Torah on the Luchot. I don't, besides the issue of space, I don't think we need to go nearly that far. But just take it literally. It says, which means Moshe was supposed to command the Sefer Abrit, write the Sefer, the words of the Brit on it. And suddenly, the Luchot Haidut, from here on in, are known as the Luchot Abrit. And thus, the Aron is consistently referred to, not exclusively, consistently referred to from this point on as Aron Habrit, because it's an Aron that includes the words of the Brit that Hashem made with B'nai Yisrael, but which Brit? The Brit after the Ego. The Brit of, nonetheless, you're my people, and I forgive you. And that, of course, is the Brit that stays with us forever.